we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. Welcome to the Nerds Boxing Podcast. With me, Andy White, and with me today, only one from the Fab Two that. Which one is it? Though? Entertain you every week. Which one? <laughs> we haven't started seeing, so I reckon oh. they can guess. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it is Martin Theobald. Is tired, Martin Theobald. I've been out building a rabbit run all afternoon. I'm knackered. Never did I hear, think I'd hear the day. That Martin Theobald was uh, r- making a rabbit. I'm going to start my own bespoke business. I think making. I must admit, bespoke the, rabbit the, runs. The pictures you sent to me, you should you should tweet you should tweet them so people. Should can I? See I'll them. tweet them out this evening. It is a decent rabbit run. It's uh, although my daughter's cut her stomach on it this afternoon, but you know whatever. Don't well, go. That's what happens when you you. Obviously well, imagine you're a fox. You'd be fucking dead. Yeah, you want to put razor blades around the top just in case anyone tries to get that <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> you put razor wire around it. Uh, I must admit, yeah, growing up, I never thought of you as the handiest man. And I thought, if you'd have said to me like, a little while ago, you know, what does Martin Martin Theobald's rabbit hutch look like? I'd have been like Homer Simpson-esque, but yeah. that was professional style. No, that's all right. So, I mean, I swerve GCSE woodwork like Joshua swerving Wilder. So <laughs> <laughs> That's some seriously, meticulously thought out <laughs> swerving. <laughs> You just wanted to get into uh, the cooking class. Didn't yeah, you? no, it's my time of the month that week, so I couldn't do it. Like a bird <laughs> doing swimming. <laughs> God's sake! I remember was at um, school with a girl, a school with a girl, and she used to pull that card every time I was swimming. I went to school with you. It's probably I, the same. I know, but I don't want to say her name. <laughs> but I remember speaking to her. She was, and she was just totally candid about it. She was like, "Our teacher Pete was like, Pete never questions either. Like, I am on." Three times a month. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Place your advantage. No male teachers having that conversation yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. None. And you are, actually, you know what? Whatever. If you don't want to swim, it's fine with me. <laughs> Probably also helped in not getting non up by some of the teachers as well. Oh. I'm not going to need that one. <laughs> we all know who they were. Uh, right. So, this week we have no structure. And None. That's not because last time we had no structure, we got positive feedback. I could dress it up like that, but it's not that reason. It's because we've got loads and loads and loads of questions. And so it makes a lot more sense for us to go through the questions 
rather than my usual style of not reading the questions beforehand, asking you all the questions that are relevant, and then getting to the questions and going, <laughs> oh, I've already answered all <laughs> Truth be told, Terry doesn't like doing questions anyway. Yeah. That's so now question. that he's not here, we'll clear the deck of all of the outstanding. That is very true. And, and a common thing for him to say when he turns up to the, to the uh, house slash studio is... Right, I'm not answering any questions today, or we're not doing any questions, are we? Like, Terry, we have to do some interaction, otherwise people are not going to want to talk to us. It never sticks to it anyway, it's fine. Yeah, it's true. All you have to do is just ask a slightly... You ask a question that gets under his skin and he snaps. Yeah. Why is Sec the greatest like heavyweight? Shout out to British Warriors, by the way. Their Twitter account during the week was fantastic. What um, reason? I sent you over the pictures of it, but uh, they... Um, on the back of our podcast last week and Terry's ode to Anthony Yard and uh, and Sec and they were oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah Terry had queried with them what a, what a fan's going to do Proper for two trolling. hours before the fight starts British Warriors responded with uh, we're going to hold a vigil for the entire light heavyweight division after Anthony Yard's destructive performance last weekend <laughs> and to the careers of Kovalev Bivol Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to British Warriors, man. That was uh, they went rogue. I liked it. Um, so, just before we get started, we have two tickets to give away to the live show. If you wish to be in with a chance of winning those two tickets, are we giving you... away both of them? Yeah, we might. Yeah, all right. Because then you can have someone to go with. Yeah, that's true. That um, is true. Martin, how are they going to go about winning them? I don't know. Well, are they going to retweet or something? Oh yeah. Oh sorry. <laughs> that's your idea. <laughs> Asking me to make it up on the spot. No, no retweet Andy's original um, tweet, tweet. For the pod, which contains a SoundCloud link. That'll be up somewhere. Well, Sunday uh, evening, Monday morning. Yeah, not that it really matters because they won't hear this prior to listening to it in order to be able to anticipate it. But <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do a draw forty-eight hours after Andy puts it up, ish. So whatever, like just retweet it. And then we'll pick a winner for two tickets for the live show. Two tickets which were kindly donated by one of our listeners who we said about the other week who... Wishes um, to remain anonymous. Wishes to remain anonymous. Couldn't make it because of logistics and dates and venue and how far away, but wanted to support us, so bought two tickets for us to give away. So shout out to them. Um, which really is, nice gesture. Which is really, re- a really, really nice gesture. gesture. And to put that into context of how nice it is, we don't know this person. No. Like, Never met them. You just only ever contacted them over Twitter and what haven't interacted them in that way. I have friends that have said to me, can I get tickets to your show? I'm thinking, well, yeah, you can. You could you <laughs> could try and support us by buying them. <laughs> so I've got people who we don't know who are willing to buy tickets, not come and give them to us. And I've got people that I do know that want me to give them free tickets. Right. And, and there was another person who bought one ticket individually for us to give away. And again, they know who they are. So yeah, it is fabulous. genuinely like really nice. humbling's a ruined word on this podcast because of the, the connotations back to Anthony Joshua. But, but it, it is humble. It, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> it is humbling. That is humbling. Humble pie, steroiding. Legit humbling. Yeah. Not humble pie. Which also <laughs> anyway, has what other, a question. Which has other connotations as well. What a question. Um, We've got loads. We'll rattle through them. Right, these are going to be completely out of context. Probably one might, might not follow the other, and but some I, I might ask one that then is identical to one I asked. Or we end up coming later. back to something we discussed. Or I haven't looked at these prior, so <laughs> shocker. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. I know there's one that I'm giving back to you after your Twitter rant. Andy went, 
Andy uh, oh, threw me. off his casualness midweek oh, okay. and went full rant mode. I'll, on, uh, I'll uh, wait. I, my memory is absolutely horrendous, so I'll wait for that one. Shirley Crabtree asks... Shirley Crabtree, the uh, other name for Shirley Crabtree? Do you remember? No. Do you know what reference that is? That's reference to the uh, British wrestler Big Daddy. Oh, okay. His real name was Shirley Crabtree. Shit bit of information for you. Yeah, it's pretty to shit, it. to be fair. But um, Right, so... They ask, can anyone put in a bid, in a purse bid? If yes, why doesn't this happen more often? Yes, they can. So... Anyone. You don't anyone. have to have any licenses we of any sort. We can crowdfund um, a purse bid and then go out and bid it. So what happens, the process is, say the WBA... Um, we'll go with the WBC at their Mexican offices, right? They call for... A mandatory fight between um, two fighters, so the champion and a challenger, say. If they can't come to an agreement over the amount of money that's worth and what the split will be, then they'll call a purse bid. And depending on the organisation, different organisations give the champion like a higher percentage than the challenger. Uh, it could be 60, 30, 65, 35, whatever it is. 60, 30. I don't know where the other 10% has gone. <laughs> You're already There's in, corruption. Yeah, you're already well on your way to becoming a part of the boxing world, mate. You get 60, you get 30. What about the other 10? <laughs> Don't worry, mate. We'll split this purse 40-40. All right, 40-40. Let's have a 20% go. 40-40, son. Take it or leave it. <laughs> so, yeah, those, those splits are predetermined. And then they set a date for the bids to come in. So what it is, is that you hand in, you have to physically send somebody to their offices. You can't email it, you can't post it, fax it, whatever. You have to physically be there with an envelope. And the purpose of this is what? Is what? To avoid um, any sort of uh, corruption. Or is it like any chance of this, that, that someone can claim ambiguity further down the line? Oh, no, no, that was a typo for this, or, or I didn't mean to send that. Or, yeah, um, know. The, you know, it rules all of that out. So yeah. if you have to be in that room, it also shows you've got a level of commitment that yeah. you're saying, I mean, that, we yeah, will go there, that, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll do that. So uh, me and Andy are opposing in our bid. So me and Andy turn up, Andy manages one of the fighters, I manage the other. You turn up with a piece of paper in an envelope, and it's got your bid on it. Um, but it doesn't have to be the promoter of Fighter A and the promoter of Fighter B. You may not choose to put in a bid for it. You may not think it's worth bidding for at all. But conversely, somebody else. So uh, Dillian White Kubrat Pulev is a good example. Um, that had... Um, was that a guy come out of nowhere? I can't remember the name of the organisation that came out and won this purse bid that nobody had really considered as an option beforehand. It was just assumed that Matchroom would get it. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but there's nothing at all to stop. And it, you can do the same domestically as well. So British title fights or English title fights or southern area, northern area, central area title fights. Um, you can turn up with a bid to put that fight on yourself. The event in, you know, if you did that on an English title fight, the event has to be run by somebody with a promoter's license. Um, so it'd be wise for them to put the bid in. But uh, yeah, you could end up, I don't know, say MTK and Steve Goodwin were bidding for something. Eddie Hearn, if he fancied that fight for one of his shows, could turn up and um, buy that himself. Okay, um, also, why are some fighters who are promoted by Warren missing from his website? People like Lyndon Arthur and Lewis Crocker. 
I've no idea on this one. No idea at all. Um, interesting one. Tommy Langford. I don't know when he's left Frank Warren. I'm assuming he's left Frank Warren. I know he was kind of on the periphery anyway. Uh, but he's fighting Jason Wellborn in a rematch for his British middleweight title. It's on the undercard of the Amir Khan upcoming fight, which is a shitty fight against Samuel Vargas. Um, but yeah, no, why are those fighters missing? I've I've got no idea whatsoever. The whole thing is just a bit of a mess at the moment. So, um, like last night, you had a Frank Warren promotion show in Belfast that Frank Warren wasn't there at. It sent Francis Warren, and it just seemed to be run by MTK. <laughs> um, so I, I've no idea, no idea regarding Warren at all at the moment. Small Horsine asks. Couple of cues for the pod tomorrow. Masha versus Cordina. How do you see it playing out? A season pro versus an amateur star. We've seen Masha in that situation before, and he came out on top. So, first of all, who are these two people? Sean Dodd is Masha. Um, okay. Joe Cordina. So, so how do you see it playing out? I don't know. We haven't really seen enough of Cordina. Um, you know, he's meant to have the fight on the Joshua undercard over in Cardiff. And it never really happened for time and what have you. Um, Sean Dodd's a big ass because Sean Dodd, like this, is essentially just a, a a tradesman, if you like, in Sean Dodd, who's like he's never going to win a world title, but he's he's good. He's good enough to be around the British title scene. Joe Cordina, they've got high hopes for, but who wins? Probably Cordina. I'm not basing that on anything particularly. Um, but I think Matchroom are investing a little bit. Well, what Matchroom are doing with that is what they started to do a while back with some of their prospects is they're at least testing them um, rather than giving them another non-entity WBA international fight or whatever. They're actually, yeah, they're actually giving him something that we can take a, a, a gauge and a benchmark at where he's at afterwards. Uh, Small Horsine also asks, put the Josh Taylor loss to one side. How far can Amhara Davis go? Not very far. Not for me. Doesn't do anything for me. I know Terry's high on him. He knocked that geezer out with the right hand. He says that, you know, you land all your punches and uh, he can knock anyone out with that right hand. You land all your punches in a fight. It's like he, he didn't land it on Josh Taylor. That's what we were saying last week to Terry. I know he's not here to, you know, argue the other side of that. So That's good. Him. Give him loads of shit. Yeah, so <laughs> fuck him. Anthony Yard. <laughs> Yeah, Terry, ter- give me one reason. Finally, Terry, give me one reason why Anthony Yard isn't rubbish. Ho, ho, ho! Cat got your tongue. Well, <laughs> you've got nothing to say. I'm giving you a chance, Terry. Come on. Terry, if you're silent for 10 seconds, Anthony Yard's rubbish. Fact. <laughs> Absolute fact. I love the fact you actually gave it to people to be like... Fact. And it's not my words. That's Terry's lack of words. That is, he could have spoken up about Terry, that. Terry really, really could have done. But he chose not to. He chose not so to. That says a lot. That does say a lot. It says very... I'm sorry, Mr. Yard. Through not saying anything, it says a lot. <laughs> Do you think it would be... Sorry, this is all still small scene. Do you think, uh, for all those people that go, oh, my question didn't get read out this week, bet you're feeling like you wish you'd sent a question in this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, because these answers are... have been top-notch so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're of the same, the normal quality. I mean, they won't go on for as long as... We have about 30 or questions probably to go through, and we don't really have an agenda. So all the boxing from last night over in Belfast, there's questions about bits of it 
that we'll touch upon. So we're not going to labour on every question by any means. And most of my answers are garbage. That's why we need Terrier. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... Andy adds about as much as a nun at an orgy, doesn't he? He's, uh... <laughs> I got some. <laughs> I got some. They have to be casual, though. They can't be like... I'm waiting for something that I can switch on to you. But people... yeah, boxers I don't even know. Like, I mean, look, Captain Casual, do you know what I mean? That, that's just what I am, so... No, you lost that cape during the week, I told do you. you. Do you think it would be more... What, 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 what is between casual and, and I don't know, Terry? You're Derek Chisora, aren't you? You're stuck in that no-man's land. <laughs> of... <laughs> you're not Captain quite... Captain no-man's land. Yeah, you're not world level, but, you know, you're... <laughs> you'll I, test anyone that tries to tell you that like Anthony Joshua is better than Muhammad Ali like I a think gatekeeper you, you can challenge that yeah <laughs> you can't I, tell them why yeah. it's like alright uh, somebody actually does know more than me they say alright give me five reasons I'm like I'm out no that's it I folded <laughs> folded completely I'm pulling out of these purse bits yeah. uh, do you think it'd be more beneficial for all involved if small hall promoters were to create a coalition so to speak. Right, yeah, of course. Bigger venues, more money. So, I so guess, if you pulled your resources. Yeah, almost like some sort of association, small hall association. Yeah, I mean, yes, but you tell me how it'd work. Yeah. Like, I've had these conversations with Steve Goodwin so many times before. Of, um, the different, There's various permutations you could have of it. So if you said, why don't... Start with one. Why don't Steve Goodwin and Steffi Ball team up and then they've got a north-south... Um, Steffi Ball runs a lot of shows out of Doncaster Dome. Then you've got a North and a South like coalition, and you could somehow—I don't know how that would work or what benefit you'd get out of it. But that means that you've got to work out the commercials behind it all. Um, uh, That—that's where it starts to get a bit tricky. But then make it more local. So say if you had British Warriors who run shows out of York Hall, and Steve Goodwin who runs shows out of York Hall, and MTK are going to run their first show out of York Hall. What you're saying is, why don't those three come together and instead of all running your own shows out of York Hall, put the money in that you'd have been doing your own shows with and make a better show between the three of you. Fine, but they've all got boxers that they're managing. Like Mo Pryor's a manager, Steve Goodwin's a manager, MTK are managers. Like Ultimately, you've still got that same stable of boxers that all need to get out. Um, so then you've got the option of you either release those boxers that are the bottom end of the the ladder um, which then they'll end up somewhere else anyway. I, and... I don't mean this to sound like for all those people that are, are listening and are, are involved in these, you know, like someone, for example, like Steve Goodwin, who we know listens to the show. So I don't mean to sound disrespectful to anyone in those in those um, positions, but it seems to me that whilst the the frame of that question, I I totally understand, and it's the sort of question that. Uh, in a roundabout way, I've made, you know, uh, to you and Terry in the past. But I always feel like it's it's kind of like saying, why don't all the animals in the Serengeti just get together and like, <laughs> <laughs> and then we all just like say, choose a gazelle by vote. Who's going to go to the feed the lions? You know, that because it just doesn't, 
when it comes to it, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Boxing is the most extreme example of that. It doesn't have... It's not centrally low. It, there's no central power, really. I suppose you, you don't get Argos and Amazon say, why don't we just sell the same stuff for the same price yeah. and share a warehouse? Exactly. It's, it, it's, it, it doesn't work like that. These people have all got their yeah. own aspirations. They've all... You know, Steve... I can only speak on Steve's... Not behalf, because I'm not speaking on his behalf, but I can speak more educated about Steve. He doesn't do it for the money. Steve's got money. Steve's got money from outside of boxing. He doesn't do it for the money at all. If you took his pound per hour rate that he puts into his boxing, yeah, yeah. you would we wonder why the fuck oh, yeah. he ever bothers yeah. organising an event yeah. um, compared to what he does in other walks of life. is financial advising. Um, so he's not doing it for... The money, he's not doing it necessarily for the ego, although there's a bit of that, I think. And that's not being horrible about Steve, but I think everybody who's doing that and wants to kind of um, do that. But his main driver is to, it's the love of the sport, is to try and make a difference and it's to give these lads an opportunity. I think he enjoys It's probably 80% that. There's 20%, a bit of ego, but everyone's got a bit, you know, yeah. we've got a bit of ego as we wouldn't sit in front of microphones on a Sunday when I could be at home with my family. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? See could be making later. rabbit hunches. Going to stroke it. What? My ego. My ego. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, all, the, all these people want to be the best in their individual uh, goals. So, Steve's like end goal, I guess, is to try and get a TV contract and be able to bring bigger and better names, but still provide opportunities for those lads that you haven't heard of yet. Um, whereas... Eddie Hearns is to take over the world. So they're all working within their own budgetary constraints. Yeah, yeah, um, And they want to be the best within those budgetary constraints. So British Warriors want to be better than Steve Goodwin. MTK want to be better than British Warriors. Steve wants to be better than MTK. You know, they're all... They don't yeah. dislike each other necessarily, but they all want to be better than one it another. It also makes... if Were you to be in an association such as that, you also have to think to yourself, right... Who makes the overarching decisions? And could there be a time when you, know, you, you, you set up an association, let's say, and there's, there's, I don't know, five equal partners that are all running various areas of the UK. Someone screws someone over, and that reflects on you, even if you had nothing to do with that process. So if you're someone like, say, Steve Goodwin, and you're in some sort of association and someone screws something over, you think to yourself, I don't need this. If I run my own ship, yeah. I am responsible yep. for everything that happens to my business model and my business. So, yeah. I, I, it, but look back whilst at- on face value, it presents itself, it presents lots of opportunity. It also has loads of downsides as well. Who was it when you had Frank Maloney, Frank Warren, Ricky Hatton, and was it uh, Barry McGuigan had formed like a promotional partnership between, I think it was those four. Um to run shows i can't remember which channel um but they, it just didn't last it just didn't last because it's not sustainable to do so um, it's like in the wwe when you see like triple h and teaming up with the rock teaming up with the big show you're like something's gonna go wrong here. what year are we in the last year i know any although to be fair they're probably still all in it <laughs> yeah jacked to the eyeballs you're like when was the last time I saw a 62-year-old with biceps like Still that? Still looks 25. Yeah. I wouldn't and then, say, like, then he dies of a heart attack and you were, I wonder why. I would say earlier, the problem that we have with like doing these shows where it's just two people, I think Terry probably does the same thing as well. The amount of talking I'll have to do during this, I will get things wrong. 
I get things wrong anyway. But like, I will get things wrong. It's normally Babs on Twitter. He's <laughs> like, picks you up. Yeah, like, you said this on it. And I'm like, it doesn't do it maliciously or anything like that. I'm like, just don't bother telling me because I know I get stuff like wrong. Like Nelson from The Simpsons. Yeah, they'll have, uh-huh. <laughs> have to extend the number of characters on Twitter to, <laughs> to allow people to tell me how many things I've got incorrect. I was just thinking it when I was saying about those four promoters. It's like, that's not right. Someone's going to pick me up on that. <laughs> There'll be lots of stuff you can pick me up on. Uh, more horse scene again. Yeah. I was going to say you're going to get cut off in a minute. But no, you've got two more. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to choose between either Khan or Brooke becoming a world champion again, who would you pick? Brooke. Yeah, I'd say Brooke. Because he's in a more dangerous division, there's a good chance he gets his face punched in again. Um, so make him a world champion and let the likes of Jarrett Hurd try and get to him. Um, you know, I don't Charlo. Know the, I don't know the finances of either of them, but I feel like Khan is made for life. Maybe Brooke is as well. But if you're gonna, if either of them are gonna get like are gonna make more money, I think Brooke. I think Khan is wealthier than Brooke. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And given what Brooke's been through. I could just say, yeah, that, you know. Khan went in the jungle. I'm not a fan of boxers going in the jungle. He didn't do David Hay any favours. I don't yeah. want him to do Khan any favours. Like, if you're I, doing that, you should not consider coming back to the sport because you're clearly not that arsed about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you think Isaac Chamberlain should leave Matchroom due to his lack of exposure? He's a sellable commodity, so maybe better off going elsewhere. Who's that from? Small scene again. Oh, okay. Last one from... Um, uh, it's an interesting one. So Isaac did his knee, was it? Yeah, did his knee in the Lawrence Coley fight. Um, so I don't know what his recovery process or his recovery period is going into that. And then he went out to, I believe it was somewhere uh, in Africa, to go and do some voluntary charity work. Um, I'm not sure what it was, but I remember seeing some photos of him out there just giving up his time going out and doing some some work, which is fantastic. Uh, I've got a lot of time for Isaac. Really nice bloke. Um, so I suspect, you know, whilst he's in the recovery phase, why would Matchroom give him any exposure? They've just put him... His last fight was a headline fight at the O2. And then he's had to go off and do his injury recovery. So I'm not sure what more really they can do for his exposure at present, unless he's now fully fit. I don't know, maybe he's been fully fit for three months. He's chomping at the bit for an opportunity and he's not getting it. If that's the case, then yes, he ought to go elsewhere. But... I think to be fair to Matchroom, they've they've given him an opportunity. He's headlined an O2 show. Um, I think as long as they can keep giving him opportunities and they don't just discard him. Paul Altai asks, "How do you rate Booth's fighters? Who is the least likely to get top level, and who is the most? Who is the most likely?" Here we go. Right. So this touches on last night. Um, so Adam Booth had Michael Conlon on over in Belfast, and Michael Conlon. Andy, to give you an idea, uh, he was the one that at the Olympics felt he got screwed, so swore at the refs. Ah, yes, I do remember. <clears throat> uh, didn't he make a complaint to... No, oh, so Aiba that... went to fine him X amount of money, and he was like, well, you can try and fine me, but I'm going to go professional, so good luck. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so maybe they're still chasing him, I don't know. Um so yeah, he went professional. He's been building with top rank over in America. It's part of what really confused me about that show last night. A Frank Warren show where Frank Warren wasn't there by the looks of it. That was seemingly... There were a lot of MTK fighters on there. Michael Conlon being an MTK fighter. But Michael Conlon's with top rank. 
Uh, I don't know they have some agreement with uh, with Frank Warren, but it, it was all a bit confusing. I don't understand it. Frazzles me. Um, but yeah, Michael Conlon and Adam Booth fight are on there. I was watching a bit of Spain this afternoon when I got the opportunity. <clears throat> and they reminded me of Michael Conlon. Um, and so they had all the possession, but they weren't doing anything with it. That's what Michael Conlon was doing, which is becoming a trait of Adam Booth fighters. So you see Josh Kelly, um, you see Ryan Burnett. They're the ones that do all the fancy head work, movement, mm-hmm. slipping, to get in. Last night, Michael Conlon, at one point, he was fighting. And again, this is where you know the opponent just really isn't that good because the commentator, Barry Jones, was telling us how good they are. And you think, if they're that good, you don't need to tell me. I'll already know. <laughs> I'll see and so they've got this Dos Santos. So they're like, it was tragic at one point. They said he, he was a world title challenger. So that tells you how good he is. And then they told us that he went like three rounds with Jesse Magdaleno. I'm like, well, he's not that good, is he? He's really not that good. <laughs> like, Paul Smith was a world title challenger, a multi-time world title challenger, but I'm not going to rank him amongst the all-time greats. Um, yeah. So Conlon at one point, and given this is, what, his sixth, seventh, eighth professional fight? Babs will tell me. Um, <laughs> you know, he drops... Babs is just Terry in disguise. <laughs> I like Babs. I think he's brilliant on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, maybe he is. Um... You know, he drops his hands, he's in the corner, and he's just ducking under shots, rolling under shots. Um, and this Dos Santos can't really lay a glove on him. Which is great. Okay, you're you're practicing those things in a real-life environment. But at no point was Dos Santos in any peril whatsoever. So Conlon won over an eight-round fight comfortably, like properly comfortably. As a boxing fan, I'm happy to see him do those those tricks. That's the step-over equivalent. That's flicking it over your head and running around a player. Mm. That's 50 passes that Spain do between each other, and yet they go out on penalties to Russia. Because uh, they didn't take any risks. Because they didn't it's take exactly any risks. So I want to see Michael Conlon stand in the pocket and mm. actually just fucking unload Trade on this guy. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 the, it's impressive to watch a team... In a, if you're if you're a football fan, that is, it's t- it's impressive to watch a team with a shout performance to an extent, but it also can be boring because because they're not taking any risks. You end up getting frustrated and you think to yourself, "What are you here for?" It's like anti-football effectively. And so you look at someone which like is you, Joe Gallagher. So like he would tell his fighters to stand and walk forward with their hands up and protect the body for like six rounds, hope the other lad blow themselves out. And then attack him, and it worked for him. Simpson approach. Yeah, it worked for him for a period of time. Attack the body when you are going to attack, but otherwise just cover up and hope they went. And it worked for him. And then people have sussed it out, or they haven't had such favourable matchmaking, or I don't know other stuff. Maybe <laughs> um, you know testing might have got tighter. <laughs> don't know. Um, but yeah, Russia just tucked up and and did a job. So. That's what it reminded me of, watching Michael Conlon, watching Spain. is the same thing. You're doing all these nice things, but it doesn't excite me necessarily because there's no end product to any of it. And Michael Conlon just doesn't interest me. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's going to get to the top. All right, well, but, but the, the question was, how do you rate... Uh, sorry, who is least likely to get to the top and who is the most likely? 
<laughs> Most Ryan Burnett because he's a world champion. So I'm going to claim him. Least likely. <laughs> All of them. Bar Ryan Burnett. <laughs> um, I was going to go Charlie Edwards, but I think Charlie Edwards might do all right because it's such a limited division that he fights in. Um, Jamie Conlon. The thing is, with top rank and MTK, they can probably, you know, in 12 months, 18 months, dig him out a world title fight. Yeah, I'm going to go Jamie Conlon. Uh, sorry, Michael Conlon. I just, I don't rate him at all. John Bailey asks, is Danny Vaughan a very poor trainer? I've what's got last, no idea. What's the last major fight his fighter has won? If I'd have had more time this afternoon, I'd have spent time looking into this. I don't know enough about Danny Vaughan. He's based up in Liverpool. He used to train Derry Matthews. He was training. He was in the corner of Tyrone McKenna last night. I don't know if he trains him or not. Now, Tyrone McKenna... Um, against Jack Cattrall was a really good fight. Really, I only caught the second half of it. Really good fight. Um, super lightweight. It's going at it. Why Jack Cattrall dropped the British title? Still got no idea. Talking about the O'Hara Davis fight. Um, but Jack Cattrall, he just, he looks so slick. Lovely fighter. Gets tucked up into that, um, that half guard, shoulder roll, like very Mayweather-esque watching him. So, he was the one that Mayweather had out training with him in the build-up to uh, maybe the Pacquiao fight, I think. Um, but he's sparred and he's been invited over by both Canelo and Mayweather in the past. And he's obviously, like, he's a very skilled fighter. Tyrone McKenna got dropped twice in the fight. And he said afterwards, like, Jack Cattrall is deceptively hard as a puncher. Um, and, yeah, dropped him twice. Doesn't look like he should be a puncher. And hasn't really got the CV to say that he is. But for Tyron McKenna's sake, Tyron McKenna's a tough, tough motherfucker. Like, slightly insane as well. Like, when he's getting punched, he's one of those ones that smiles. Like, not as if, like, her, that didn't hurt me. But, like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's do some more of this. Um, really enjoyable fight. But, yeah, Danny Vaughan, I, I genuinely don't know enough about Danny Vaughan. Other than, I say, he used to be involved with Derry Matthews. Um, I, I can't comment. That's one you need Terry for, really. Okay, Chino asks, what happens with Jacobs and Miller regarding Dazone? Dazn. Dazn. Because I, I, I really, it really annoys me, Dazone. If you really want it to be called Dazone, then Put an o and an e. spell it properly. Yeah, like, it's Dazn. That's a bit like me going, my name's now Super Martin. <laughs> you know, well, there's no S-U-P-E-R, yeah, but that's how you pronounce my name now. Oh, don't get me on to na- name pronunciation. That really wrecks me. What, in the World, the World Cup? Cup? Oh, God. Like, who, sorry, who is Neymar? And who is, <laughs> like, it just really, really great. It's me. almost it's like FIFA. Hard. You know, like, FIFA has some real glitches on names. Or it used yeah. to. It doesn't so yeah. much these days, I think. Yeah, and it, it, it's like, it's never been, like, like, someone like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of uh, a, a name off the top of my head, but... You could you like Mane for example for example you I've heard him I've heard him pronounce Mane and I've heard it pronounced Mane but then you get some commentator and I I don't know if they're just trying to get a rise out of people but they'll be like Mane and you're like no no one ever calls him that where are you where are you I want to call him Main yeah <laughs> like because yeah. that's how it's spelled the Main Man that's what he should call himself change his entire surname just so he can have a create a Crappy pun. It was your issue here. Uh, Dazone. Dazen. 
Let's call it Dazen. From henceforth, we're just going to call it Dazen. Okay. All what the time. Ha- what happens if Jacobs and Miller regarding Dazen? Are they both going on? Uh, are they both going on that, or are they staying with HBO deals? And is loyalty fucking hern over in regards to, to Dazen? No one wanting to fight on an unknown platform, etc., etc. Um, or I'd Jacobs. say to that immediately is punctuation, but <laughs> <laughs> it's back. <laughs> yes, uh, the grammar police. Uh, yes, I uh, know. To be fair, he's put one comma in there, but never mind. Okay, let's let's go with that. Yeah, uh, uh, Jacobs is tied to HBO. I believe Hearn said that at the beginning of the uh, the setup. That was Chino, by the way, that asked that question. Uh, Miller, I'm not sure about. But I'd imagine he probably is. Um. So is loyalty screwing people? So I don't. I don't know if it's true or not. I know Adrian Broner put it out on his Instagram about he signed a fifty million dollar five fight contract with Mayweather Promotions. If that's true, that's mad. Adrian Broner, Adrian Broner, fifty million dollars five fights. So he put up about um. Hearn making him that contract offer and said, like, these are slave wages. I'm not doing that for slave wages. All those slaves that are earning millions <laughs> didn't have a blessed life. <laughs> this is a, wab- uh, a rabbit warren that I'm not willing to follow you down, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, is rabbit warren one of the other sons of Frank? I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, he also shamelessly flirts with women uh, instead of actually trying to carry on his... his uh, Dad's empire. Oh, okay. Do you remember? Yep. 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 Up at the uh, Tony Moran, oh, God, uh, Roy Jones Jr. press conference. Yeah. Watching, you know, somebody may have been in the Warren family, maybe. Uh, definitely. Mm. Uh, just like, just just expect it, him to be networking, promoting the fight. Nah, just hang on the side, trying to hang out with some girls. <laughs> just making the most of those promotional girls, yeah. it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. If he had a hotel room that night, I'd imagine it was busy. Um, <laughs> I reckon even if he didn't, he would have got one and it would have been busy. Do <laughs> <laughs> you do it by the hour? <laughs> um, is loyalty screwing him? They've got a press conference at the back end of July. Dazen, um, where they're going to start announcing more content to go onto their platform in America. And I believe that's where they're tying in more announcements about fighters from Hearn. So it buys him another month to actually tie down some fighters. And maybe he's already done some. I don't know. Um, Is loyalty... Yeah, I think there is an element of loyalty. Um, So Wilder spoke about loyalty this week. I know we've got a question about that later. but um, And Steven Espinosa of uh, ESPN... Was it no Showtime? Sorry, not ESPN. Spoke about loyalty. Him and Wilder don't have a contract; they just have a handshake, um, and that's not how Hearn works. As such, like he wants to think that money can trump everything. You know, trumps loyalty, trumps anything like that. Um, unless it's not, unless it's not money that's come from him. In which case, now there's certain loyalties, like for example. If you get offered fifty million to go and fight somewhere, no, my loyalty is to the UK fans. <laughs> then suddenly the whole the whole landscape changes back to loyalty again. Loyalty is very important at that point. Oh, in that case, can we get can we get tickets that aren't sold 
Well, that are sold directly from you. Yeah, sure. Well, wait a minute. These tickets are all gone. And they've just mysteriously appeared on StubHub immediately. Our commercial partners, StubHub. Can't you? Brilliant. <laughs> can't you do something about that? No. <laughs> Wide-eyed, clueless look on his face. No, can't really. Oh, nice one. Cheers for that. Yeah, let's touch on the fact. Fight pass, that thing where you pay for the priority tickets... Like there's there's no fight to talk about it right now. Like we always get told that you know you're very reactionary or whatever. Well, there's no fight to talk about with Fight Pass now that's relevant. Um, but Fight Pass, you have to sign up with your credit card details, your name, your surname, your address, all that stuff. You sign up with all that, and then you buy a ticket for Joshua Klitschko, and then you sell that ticket immediately late, like ten minutes later, for four times the face value. And yet, apparently, they can't do anything about it. Now, I get that, like, maybe if you went through StubHub directly to buy the original face value tickets, Eddie doesn't really have a say over that. But you signed up for his his exclusive club to get early tickets. Yeah. And then you still sell them off. And they've got your name, your address, your phone number, your credit card details, and what seat number you've booked. The exact seat number. So when that seat number comes up on StubHub later on for four times the face value, just fucking cancel it. Unless you've got a really, really, really advantageous agreement with StubHub, maybe. Um, if if it was if, a, if it was a legal requirement that the person bought the ticket has to attend the, the event for that seat, otherwise that ticket is null and void. And I don't know. Look, I don't know how this legislation would have ever got passed, but let's say it has. There would be ways to make sure that happened. So the very fact that this is happening is because they want it to happen. But yeah. there's ways that they could... You could turn there's, up... There's apathy. In, yeah, you have to turn up with ID to make sure it's your ticket. They don't care. So what's the, the question? <laughs> uh, uh, is loyalty... Screwing, I think there's loyalty to an extent, but... Oh, yes. Sorry. At the end of the day, it's short careers. an old man rant then, didn't we? It's yeah. short careers, so these lads probably can have their heads turned by a big enough offer. The problem you've got is that you're seeing on paper what somebody earns. As we've discussed before, the American system, people don't necessarily earn what's declared. So Nevada State Athletic Commission might declare your purse of $500,000. Doesn't mean that you earn $500,000. That can be topped up through various means. Um, Through... How do they... Dark arts. How could they potentially do it? Okay, so... Nathan Cleverly, when he fought Badu Jack on the undercard of uh, Mayweather McGregor, uh-huh. his purse on the paper was something stupid. $100,000, $50,000, something like that. To be on the undercard of Mayweather McGregor to fight and defend like your world... Pa- 35,000 pounds or something To defend like your world title. Like, yeah, he never got paid that. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> Um, so if you were going to go about that, but you wanted to put slide money, uh, slide money under the tax radar. Yes, exactly. Okay, so now you start building in, you know, maybe you've got a sponsor. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe matchroom. I'm not saying this happens, by the way. This, this, you could. This but could you could. Maybe you... Look, if it were me, I would give £150,000 to my friend, and my friend can sponsor you £150,000. Ah. There you go. You've just made hundred fifty grand more. You've got the British TV rights that aren't included in that twenty-five grand, that fifty grand, whatever it was. So there's various dark arts that you can top up the top oh, could, and the bottom I mean, I of that you could purse. Do anything, couldn't you? You could, you could 
on your uh, merchandising, your private merchandising website, you could sell special hats for that fight. $150,000 each. And yes. someone could buy one of those hats. Yeah. Wouldn't that be really lucky? <laughs> yeah. It'd be mad. Um, yeah. So like yeah. There almost was, like some sort of weird laundering system. There are ways to go about it that are used. Uh, and I'm not saying the Nathan Cleverly one is the only one that's happened by any means. But if you think he took that money home that was declared, then you're insane. Like, that didn't happen. As it happens, that's one area of life that I... I have no objections to. One area of the dark arts, yeah. I have no joke. The tax, certainly in America, the tax system is so cripplingly aggressive when it comes to things like that, that, you know. I'm not saying like Starbucks and Google should get around all the tax laws of the UK, but if a man going out and making his living can get away from a little bit of tax in that way, yeah, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Um, Joshua asks, do you think the World Boxing Super Series has managed to gauge the interest of a casual fan as much as we wanted it to? As much as it wanted it to, rather. And will the fuck up with season one finals, um, <laughs> should they Great maybe have waited? <laughs> should they maybe have waited until the night of the final to announce season two? Okay. So um, never announce it, basically. <laughs> I think it's going to be perpetual. Season one is going to overlap season 15. Yeah, so then when it gets to season 20, they can have all the finals at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gro- Grove, Greatest hits. Gro- Grove Smith, when they're both 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, has it gained the attention of the casual fan? No. No. I think the moment you put all that stuff onto ITV box office probably kills it. From what I understand... World Boxing Super Series, the TV deal in the UK, they struggled to find one. I'm not sure I'm meant to talk about this, to be honest, but whatever. Um, I found it out a while back. Little birdie. Um, So they tried to sell World Boxing Super Series as a concept to Sky, BT, Box Nation, the obvious places you would try and hand it over to. Even Channel 5. You know, here's some world-class boxing content. Guaranteed dates, guaranteed number of fights. Um, but the, they were doing it as the whole package. So you had to buy the cruiserweights and the super middleweights. So it's a lot. Um, and I think they, they started off... I have no idea. I do have an idea, but I'm not going to say the number. Um, <laughs> they started no, off you with... Don't. You don't have an idea. But if you pulled one out of the ether, what would it be? <laughs> they started off with X number, as they were asking for, for the entire package. And then they had to lower that significantly, significantly, significantly until they got to the grand total of what they sold the World Boxing Super Series. This is what I understand. I'm not saying it's 100% fact. Make your own mind up. Um, they sold the entire package for nothing. Zero. Free. And then they take a cut back of the pay-per-view sales. So... I'm not sure what that percentage is. If it's 50, if it's 100, I'm not sure. Um, but for every pay-per-view ITV put on, the organisers of the World Boxing Super Series got their money back that way. Which is why you ended up with, like, was it Groves versus uh, Jamie Cox on pay-per-view? Um, Callum Smith versus that fucking kickboxer on pay-per-view? Um, Groves Eubank, I've no issue with that being pay-per-view. Uh, should um, they have waited until the night? Of the final to announce season two. <sighs> Is it going to be a final? They've announced Usyk Gassiev happening in Russia. Shout out 
Usyk, man. That guy just goes to people's back gardens and fights them. None of this fucking about, like Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. I'm not going to pick a side in that right now. I don't care. Like, I think we've all lost a fair bit of momentum about it. Usyk doesn't seem to care about any of that. He went to Latvia. He just goes anywhere. Like, he just rocks up in people. Like, he may as well sleep in their bed the night before and, like, then just go and have the fight. Um... Remember when Carl Frampton offered to do that to Leo Santa Cruz? He's like, we should have a trilogy fight. Like, you've won one, I've won one. Let's have the third one in Ireland. Like, you and your family can come and stay at my house beforehand. Because <laughs> they got along really well. Um, but the third fight's never been signed off. But yeah. Um, so that's all organised. That's happening in Russia. Um, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. I might be wrong. I normally am. Uh, Groves versus Smith won't happen. I know they're meant to be announcing a. a so what? What would they do then? Would they just award someone the winner or bring in a replacement? I don't know. Um, but you've got you've got this issue with the injury of George Groves. He's only got a limited number of fights left in his career now. We've got to accept that. I think over time, most of us have become George Groves fans. Whether we were or we weren't at the beginning... I wasn't, but I am. He's won us over. Yeah. And I'm all right with that. That's brilliant. But that career's coming to an end now. We've got to accept that. Um, and does he really need a Callum Smith? I, I don't know what all the commercials are, the money side of it. The Sourlands are involved. If, I think, if anything, Groves is a bit of a sucker for his own perception of success because of the rough time he had at the beginning of his career. If he thinks that if he values the winning of that competition, I imagine that he'd take the risk just because he'd like to be able to turn around and say, you know, I had some struggles, but I won a world, oh, won a world title and I've done this. Yeah. You know, cause I think but he's it's a, bit all... of a sucker for that. Yeah. Um, but you haven't got the best fighters in the vi- division. You haven't got Gilberto Ramirez, who's fighting last night. You haven't got James DeGale. You haven't got the other world title holders. You've just yeah. got George Groves. So I've got a feeling, rightly or wrongly, I reckon, because James DeGale has got his mandatory due with Ustagai, Ustagai, whatever his name is, whatever his name is, will punch holes in James DeGale's face. Um, like horrendous holes as well. I don't think James DeGale needs that fight. Like, again, he's at the end of his career. He's got a handful left. I'm uh, going to take a punt. Crystal ball time. James DeGale drops that title for us to guy. Um, he can have it. Fight someone else. Not interested. I reckon George goes. I reckon that injury maybe is causing problems. Don't know. But I reckon he'll end up coming out of it. I reckon you'll get Groves and DeGale fight. I might be miles off, but I, that's just... They've dragged this out for so long. Mm. And their initial thing was, this all gets done by the end of this boxing year. Like, by the end of July, kind of into August, this all gets finished. And now they're talking about September time. It's uh, You've made a rule that you haven't stuck to. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It seems a bit odd. Okay, Boxing Fan asks, uh, UK Boxing Fan 6, following on from last night's MTK show. Frank Warren show. <laughs> Uh, following on from last night's MTK show does defeat not matter providing the performance you put in I feel McKenna Ham Garrity all lost but have no problem seeing them on TV a TV day soon I feel sometimes promoters are harsh when they question where the boxers go from defeat 100% I agree with this so Garrity versus John O'Carroll phenomenal fight like really enjoyable um 
is the rematch between the two. John O'Carroll wins again. But Geraghty showed great heart. If I'm honest, I don't think he's really that good. But I enjoy him, I enjoy watching him enough. Same with Tyrone McKenna. They're not world-level guys. But these are guys that you ought to keep in your stable to test the next ones coming through. And have them there just to... Because they give you entertainment. They give you fun fights to watch. And they're not... You, know, you, you can build a brand around somebody who isn't going to win a world title but can always be around um, to test people. You don't need to be a world title holder. And it's better to see these lads tested against them, against your Tyrone McKenna, against your Declan Geraghty's, than it is fucking some African or some Eastern European that you don't know anything about. I'd far rather see yeah. domestic fights to challenge people. Because Tyrone McKenna's never going to win a world title. He's very limited, but he's also very fun to watch. Um so yeah, absolutely. They should they should be kept on and given opportunities because people like watching them. Uh, M Dow asks: Once George Groves has smashed Callum Smith in the final, <laughs> M Dow, see the last conversation. Can Shane's experience of the competition only be good for Taylor to win his division in the series? So this is on the back of Josh Taylor announcing he's going to join the WBSS. You knew about that. I did actually, yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you, see if. Uh... <laughs> um, which is good. Uh, and this is something, and I suspect it's it's something that you'd, even b- before what M. Dow is uh, contemplating there, you'd have probably put Taylor as one of the favourites for that competition. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, but. Okay. So let's assume that the Callum Smith fight does happen and. George Groves would be my favourite to win that. What will then? No, I, I don't Shane think bring to that. I don't think his Taylor. involvement in it already has any bearing or impact upon Josh Taylor's success. Yeah, I'm a because one. Josh Taylor has been very active anyway, so it's no different for him to be as active as he'll have to be to get through this. And B because Shane's route through it so far with George Groves has been inactive. <laughs> so he beat Jamie Cox, and then, yes, his next fight came up against Chris Eubank, but he did his shoulder. And so he's actually only got through two-thirds of it anyway. And it's coming up to a year since the beginning of it. It'll be over a year that the entire thing's gone on for. So he'd basically had three fights in 12 months, if it goes ahead. Maybe 13, 14 months. Um, so in terms of preparing Josh Taylor... I don't think he can take anything out of what he's done with Groves just because of those heavy delays. If you're a boxing, if you're a boxing trainer, right? Let's just say you start off being a boxing trainer tomorrow. I don't know what the typical age for a boxing trainer to start getting into the sport is. Thirty-five, mate. Same as me. So uh, that's <laughs> handy. Um, if you start off and you're training, say, I don't World know, champion. a lot, I've already weight. started at the top. <laughs> In a way. They'd come to you. Yeah. Anything. Um, I turn my phone off. Mayweather turns up. I need to learn from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Hello, champ. A light, a light. So you're training a light heavyweight, right? Yeah. Big time. Let's just say in five years time. Yeah. Now, I don't know. What is typical for a trainer? How many boxers will a trainer be training at one point? Will he have a, a load of boxers or will he have like two or three or will he be more heavily involved it's typically with some than not going to be more than 
six, seven. Right. So let and and even then, you've got um, other coaches in the gym that will be doing other bits with people. I think that the the thrust of my question is: when you have experience, is that experience um, different? For if you're training a light heavyweight, can you then use that as relatable experience for say a lightweight, or are they because of the differences in weight and the very different styles that tends to encourage, is it useful? And at what percentage of it is useful that experience? I think it's use- if you look at say Adam Booth at the moment, he's concentrating on those lower weights, so he's got um, what could be, despite what we said earlier about Condon, what could be an elite level of fighters coming through. So Josh Kelly, Charlie Edwards. Ryan Burnett, Michael Conlon, um, Michael Conlon. <laughs> so they're all, you know, from the lowest being Charlie Edwards around super flyweight, whatever he's settled at, through to um, Josh Kelly at welterweight. There's not huge weight. There's not a golfing weight between the different lads, um, and they're quite well spaced as well. So you've got super bantamweight in Michael Conlon as well. You've got bantamweight in Ryan Burnett. So they can all work with one another. Peter Fury was always. I think just purely because of him having Huey and Tyson was seen as like he works with heavyweights. But he's also got Peter Madonna in his stable. And now he's working with Savannah Marshall as well, a female boxer. So he's kind of veered away from that um, working with the heavyweights only. But um, again, Peter Fury, somebody who's not involved in boxing because of the financial side of it. He's a very well set man. He just, he works with people that he sees something in that he can get out of. Um, sounds a bit David Brent-esque I realise but um, that's kind of what he's in it for so he turns fighters down all the time to come and train with him Um, okay Joshua uh, asks also after the performance performance of Diego Maradona at the World Cup will Callow be forced to up his drug game and start taking smack at press conference (laughs) (laughs) okay interesting I, I think you know how people demand uh, more and more information in like a social media age of um, negotiations for fights and I every now and then you see I want to see gloves are off between like Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren I want to see it between like Keller and his dealer then at that point I want to see how hard those negotiations are because you're presumably talking big big quantities so like can you get economies of scale out of them I want to see what kind of businessman or Keller like is or some sort of three way between Keller's dealer Keller and a, and a really um, really enthusiastic evangelical rehab head of rehab so like they're arguing over Kala coming to rehab dealer's like no Kala don't Kala's like oh, I can't fucking take it <laughs> at a press conference yeah <laughs> yeah a really weird press conference Daniel Smith asks with so many fights that should be happening that don't because of so much BS what needs to happen in the future to stop this wow that is ambiguous that is one overarching question. And I if we have the answer, I suspect that we'd be in much more senior positions in boxing than we are. What needs to happen? I, I tweeted this out yesterday as I was walking around Tesco that um, Portugal had pulled out of their world title eliminator with uh, Uruguay uh, and said they were going to go for a European shot against San Marino. How insane does that sound? How insane. They're like, these are all eliminators we're watching in the World Cup at the moment. I'm, I'm making a, 
an educated guess, most of our listeners will have at least a passing interest in the World Cup. So we can we can make reference to that today. These are all eliminators. And then the semi-finals is a final eliminator to get to the final for your world title shot. Imagine if one of these teams pulled out. Like, no, nah, I'm not happy playing in Stalingrad. But it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. So why in boxing does it happen? This week, you've ended up with um, uh, Miller over in America. He's he's pulled out of the, the bids with... Um, What's his name? Kubrat Pulev. Same one Dillian White pulled out of. Dillian White pulled out of the Ortiz Eliminator. Um, and then he pulled out of Pulev. And now he's fighting Joseph Parker in what's not an Eliminator. Although Hearn's trying to make it a WBO Eliminator. It's like, fuck's sake. Like, you just want to see the best fight the best. Yeah. That's all you're interested okay, in. Okay, so here's a question for you. I know we've, I've made references to this before, but you look at something like UFC... Is the biggest difference between UFC and boxing the fact that boxing has, if anything, too much history? Because you don't see no. U- because you you don't see UFC fighters going, nah, fuck that. We're going to fight on our own terms outside the sport somewhere else. Because presumably, there's nothing stopping Conor McGregor and some other geezer in UFC going. You know what? We're going to go and fight in. Well, Conor did that with Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but it had the blessing of UFC, didn't it? With Dana White was involved and that sort of stuff. Yeah, because but, if you're going to do it, you might as well take a cut of that. But if there was something really big within UFC, and they went, do you know what? We're going to take. Um, they sold their own pay per view, and but you just don't see it happen. Now, I'm not saying you'll never see it happen, but but I would get because because there's no overarching control. There's no FIFA. There's no UFC. Boxing seems to... That's why it fails, because there's no one there to go, no, you are going to fight. Or, yeah. Oh, or yeah, absolutely. It's the ownership element. Like, the fact that nobody owns boxing, and it's all disparate. You've got different governing bodies. You know, if you broke it down into a tree, you'd sit there and go, how does anyone fight anyone? And so, you know, if you worked it out of, like, the four major governing bodies, then the the smaller ones underneath that, your IBOs, your WBFs, your GBFs, etc. STDs, which is what all of them are anyway. Um, but, you know, even then break it down to like the British Boxing Board of Control and Bieber, like two different people that are running the sport in one country. Like It's all, it's all insane. You, you basically want to break it and then start it again. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it's got, it feels like it's got too much history in as much as if boxing was invented tomorrow the whole concept would soon have a governing body around it because you notice it with any sort of new sport that happens suddenly there's a governing body somewhere it just pops up out of the out of the blue and suddenly they're the head of that and it becomes almost well just something of a norm that just just gets inherited oh yeah they run it Whereas with boxing, there's so much precedent of people being able to go out of it and get, oh, I don't like that, so therefore I'm going to go to you. Yeah, I don't so like that and go to you. A good example, like, the British board do a very good job with it. So when they send around their um, their notes per month about eliminators, final eliminators, title shots, um, if you're in an eliminator and then, you know, if it's mandated, Andy, you're fighting Terry... But then, Andy, you pull out of that, like you say, no, nah, I'm not interested. Then they will frown upon you I trying to pull out of Terry. <laughs> a fight with Terry, a fight with Terry. <laughs> wow. Um, so, 
if you pull out of it, then you're kind of frowned upon by the board, so they won't put you back into eliminators or title shots for quite a while, which is a good thing. And you should do that. That would be the solution, is that if you pulled out of an eliminator, then you can't fight any eliminator for any other governing body for 24 months. That would stop people doing it. Yeah. Um, but the problem is with the board, when I've said about that, you know, they they won't consider you for another eliminator for a period of time, is that you then just circumvent it. So if you if you pull out of a British title eliminator, you then go for a WBO European title, and then you're suddenly ranked number two in the world, and you're fighting SEC, and like you're still ranked number two in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. that's what happens there, and it all just becomes a bit like I feel for the board in that scenario because how can you control people that you're you're trying to control and make the best fights for the British title when people can just pull out of it and go and work their way around a different route which okay there are different routes and that's available but it just stops fights that people want to see and I say if there was a rule that amongst the four governing bodies it'll never happen but this is the only way I could see you would resolve it is that you make a rule and they all agree upon it they all shake hands if you pull out of an eliminator or a final eliminator you can't fight one or the other or a title shot for 24 months that's the only the way problem, I can and the it. problem with that is that as soon as someone with a big enough profile does it and then says, I want to fight for a title, someone somewhere buckles because they can see dollar signs. 100%. It and wouldn't they work. They see exclusivity straight away. Well, the other three aren't going to do it because they've already... And then they all think about it at the same time. And it just buckles under its own under its own financial pressure. Oh, it's like the WBA saying this week about um, Anthony Joshua had 24 hours to make um, the Deontay Wilder fight or they had to get on with Povetkin and sort that out. It's like, or what? Or what, Mendoza? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to strip Anthony Joshua? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you won't. Because you make millions out of those fights. Like, Anthony Joshua is the biggest commodity in boxing right now, maybe with Canelo. Like, out of the two of them. There is not a hope in hell that Gilberto Mendoza will take that title off Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua could go and fuck his mum and his wife at the same time and he wouldn't take that title off him. I'm convinced. Is that against WBA rules? (laughs) (laughs) There's Um, something in the WBA rule book that says uh, if it's for a unification fight, then you can stop the mandatory, like put the mandatory requirements on hold indefinitely. I'm sure the word is indefinitely or, or it's a variation upon that. But basically, the, the connotation is there are no timescales if you're talking unification fights unless you're Gilberto Mendoza and you want to enforce a 24-hour deadline. Mm, or, or a person who's being, who Gilberto Mendoza's talking to who it would be convenient if there was a deadline that he had to use. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe you could parlay that with other deals so i don't know say you had amir khan coming back if you were trying to look down the line a little bit you've you've soon got you know hypothetically which is happening manny pacquiao lucas matisse for the wba regular welterweight title is going on soon um and then out of nowhere they're talking about amir khan who has boxed for 39 seconds in two years is it (laughs) versus samuel vargas who has never beaten anybody in the top 50 in the world 
there's talk now that those two are in a final eliminator to fight the winner of Pacquiao Matisse. What? Can you imagine? What? If it was like, <laughs> if it was like Uruguay Brazil in the semi final, and they're like, and because of this, that, and the other, we've got, and because of the, we're going to have Gibraltar versus San Marino in the other semi final to see who for a final eliminator for the final. You'd be like, why? Why do they deserve to be there? Yeah. Yeah, so frustrating. So quite how they're in talks to make that the eliminator for the winner of Pacquiao Matisse, but there'd be a lot of interest in Amir Khan versus Manny Pacquiao if that could be made because Amir Khan's been chasing that fight for years. So it'd be really convenient because Amir Khan wins that fight, hundred percent. Put your mortgage on it against Samuel Vargas. Manny Pacquiao might beat Matisse. Probably should beat Matisse. You know, then you end up with those two fighting one another. That'd be quite handy for Eddie Hearn. That'd be quite handy for Gilberto Mendoza. It's almost like they work together on these things. Yeah, it's weird. It's sometimes it screams that, but obviously we know that. Obviously, it doesn't because they're independent. We're not saying that. We'd never say that because it would never happen. Boxing is as clean as sports come. Rob Brennan asks, "What level do you think John O'Carroll can get to?" I don't think he can get far. I don't think he can get far at all. Uh, I think he's at his level. Maybe go a little bit higher. Um, he's got no punch Which is power. What, sorry, what level is that? Um, European, you'd call it. Um, I think European is probably where he's going to settle at. So it's difficult to say because, like Declan Geraghty, eh, he's beaten him once before. So uh, by a DQ, granted, when he was losing the fight, but. I'd say John O'Carroll settles at European level and is probably not far from that now. You know, he won prize fighter. Good fighter like John O'Carroll. Really good fighter. And then uh, they didn't really know what to do with him. I'm not sure if he was with Matchroom at the time or not, but I remember he fought on the Klitschko Fury undercard. Like, obscurely. I'm talking probably five o'clock in the afternoon fought on that undercard. Just seems like nobody's ever been able to pick him up. But, he started to get a really exciting style. He doesn't stop people, typically, but he stopped Geraghty last night and like in a brutal fight. And so if you can start to bring a bit more excitement, maybe it'll mean somebody will start to invest in him a bit more, make an opportunity for him. But I think Europeans is level. Okay. Ross asks, will people eventually dismiss the heavyweight division if the current pattern of fighters avoiding each other continues? Hi, Andy. Come on, you've got to take this. Oh right, yeah. Well, this is uh, this this is the one I I hadn't actually anticipated that. Maybe there's another one that crosses the same path. I'm not sure. But, but um, come on, man! Like you, you went off on one this week about it. Well, no, I. The thing is, right? I still can't get my head around the fact that I know you and Terry have sort of explained it to me before. And maybe I'm just being thick, and I'm happy to I'm, I'm happy to admit if I am. Why don't why doesn't the WBC mandate Joshua to Because fight? he holds a title for another body. Yeah, so what I don't understand is, by them not mandating him, by, they, by them just not doing it and saying, well, yeah, but if you decide to on a unification fight, then, you know, we're happy to just do their own. But if they mandate it and he says no, then what? What? Joshua says no? Yeah. Well... Because they can hold power over, say, Dillian White when he pulled out of the Luis Ortiz fight, the yeah. the eliminator for that. They can now say to Dillian White, you won't fight for our title for the next year because you pulled out of that. Yeah. 
with Anthony Joshua, if they mandated Anthony Joshua and said, you've got to fight Deontay Wilder, and he said, no, I've got my own stuff oh, going no, on. Oh, no, I understand that. But then what I mean is, it would allow, it would allow title, like, for example, if Joshua wants to fight Wilder, if Wilder, moreover, if Wilder is what he says he wants, he wants to fight Joshua, say he says to the IBF, rank me so that I can be the mandatory for Joshua, then Hearn can't give loads of bullshit constantly to stop him from fighting him. Then then the IBF could say to Joshua, right, fight Wilder or we'll take your belt away from you. Then that would stop this to and from with all this shit bullshit because then, as we've discussed before, if they said, no, 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 it either gets stripped or it'd go to a purse bid and, you know, and the, the ball would start to roll. Whereas the way it is now, it's like once they're, once they they have someone's belt, in terms of the rest of the three big they bodies, they just disappear into the ether, and you can never see fights. So I, the, the my tweet that you're referring to is that I, <laughs> the way I see it is because of the way that it is, what you now hope for. Well, the way I can see it, the only way I can see it happening is, let's say, one of uh, one of Deontay Wilder or AJ loses their belt to someone. A another, <laughs> then that then Deontay Wilder goes right. I'm going to fight AJ for one of those three belts and ranks himself with whoever you know IBF, WBO, WBA. Then becomes the mandatory, or the unificate the the then the winner of that WBC off of Wilder fights Joshua. He becomes unificate the unified champion. Then Wilder fights him. Just but let's be honest. At that point, we've lost interest because the only the only reason it's such a hot take right now. Because, it's because it's for all the belts. Yeah, I, I guess The moment so. one of them loses and that belt ends up elsewhere, nah. Yeah, I guess like, so, because Joshua they're both Wilder, undefeated as well. Joshua Wilder isn't isn't the thing that I'm interested in. I'm interested in finding out who's the best in that division. And so it takes somebody to come along, say, I don't know, Jarrell Miller comes along and beats Deontay Wilder. Then I want to see Jarrell Miller versus Anthony Joshua. It's not Wilder versus Joshua that I'm bothered about. It's... Who holds that title versus Anthony Joshua? So if Anthony Joshua starts dropping titles, then, you know, if, say say he dropped, say Gilberto Mendoza went through with his threats, ended up stripping him, took it to that nth degree, and then he dropped that WBA title, and then that gets picked up by Dillian White. You've then got three world title holders. You lose all interest because like, it's not it's not as fascinating at that point. As it is to know that between the two men, they hold everything. All they've got to do is fight, and you'll find out who's the best. Uh, to answer the question more specifically, Ross. If that I is your think, name. <laughs> I think I pronounced that properly. Please pick me up if I didn't. Um, will people eventually dismiss the heavyweight division? I don't think they will, because it just has too much kudos. No one's ever going to disregard the division. And let's, let's face it, look. You look at any sport that seems to be in any sort of stalemate, uh, and you go back a couple of years, you've got Barcelona running football, and you're thinking, how is this ever going to end? But then something happens, be that, you know, in that specific scenario, I know people listening to this don't like us referring to football though too much. Which we've done but, all shows. Like yeah, that. yeah. But I'm going to... World Cup fever, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, the manager, Pep Guardiola, moves on, and things start to change. Things happen, changes happen, whatever. And it could be that AJ in his next fight against Povetkin, most probably, 
gets injured and Povetkin becomes the three, like holds the three titles because AJ, you know, busts his knee during the fight or any, anything could happen. And if that happens, you're like, wow, the whole thing is blown wide open now. Something will happen. Something will change. It's just a matter of time. Then you're not going to have the three, the, those two holding the titles forever because what? Wilder's 32 now. now. I don't profess to be any sort of expert. I never have done. But he's not going to be the world heavyweight champion for the next 10 years. So at some right, Terry would go, why not? I'm sure just to be devil's advocate. But I. I'd be fairly confident with my zero expertise to predict the fact that he won't be a heavyweight champion forever. Or or AJ won't. And just to go on something that Terry said before, you can't continue the way AJ is. Eventually, your body will break down. So in that regard, something will happen. Something will change. The landscape will change. And maybe Wilder, we've been looking at this, maybe we've been, in retrospect, we think to ourselves, I can't believe all that time we were worried about Joshua Wilder when actually... You know, speaking in maybe 2020, we go, and AJ lost to X, Wilder lost to X, and really, the most dangerous guys in the world are these two guys that were coming up through the ranks. It may be that case. So I think in terms of, at the moment, people are frustrated with the heavyweight division, and I think potentially people are more interested in divisions such as, or more fascinated, perhaps, by uh, divisions such as the cruiserweight, we were going to get a unified heavyweight, uh, unified unified cruiserweight champion, something like An that. Undisputed, undisputed. Sorry, you might end up with something like this. But the heavyweight division, whilst people are frustrated with it, and there might be a certain amount of disregarding the AJ Povetkin fight. I certainly hope there is. But eventually, something will change, and it'll be back to being as fascinating as it always has been. The biggest blokes in the world fighting. Someone like Tyson Fury coming through may change everything. What's frustrating know. right now is that, and as fans, we should not accept anything but the best fight and the best when it comes to this scenario. Um, we shouldn't accept this marinating. We shouldn't accept people go, oh yeah, and his, it's going to be like his 21st fight. AJ will have fought, um, you know, like Klitschko, Parker, White, these fucking matchroom troll little cunty people that do my head in, which is a question about later. Um, but yeah, like, why? Why is anyone accepting Joshua versus Povetkin? Why? Just don't buy it. Don't turn up. We only want to see Joshua versus Wilder. You can't give me an argument that says you want to see Povetkin versus Joshua more because I won't believe you. Uh, do, do and so. You- Sorry, go on. If we see Joshua versus Wilder, let's see it five times in a row. I don't care. That will last us two and a half years. Three years, maybe. Let's go with that. I'd rather see that than Joshua Povetkin, Joshua Miller, Joshua Uh. White. Do you know what I mean? Like, If that's a good fight, let's just keep it rolling. Let's just keep going, and they can see their careers out fighting one another, because they only fight once every six months anyway. So let's just have like a best of five out of it, like Pacquiao Marquez. Just do that rather than accept second best. Just as a slight side note to that, why is Joseph Parker a legit heavyweight? I realise he was a WBO champion. Who did he win the champ? Who did he win that belt against? Uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. It was a vacant title. So who has he fought that you would? Who has he fought and beat that is a world class heavyweight? Nah. No, because I he beat Carlos Takam, who is awkward at best. Moves his head. 
but he's um, not. He's not. He, he, he beat Carlos Takem. He beat Huey Fury, who's the current British champion. For me, I thought he lost that fight, but yeah. Right, yep, so he technically but, has beaten him. But I, I see that was going to be my my follow up point. Like the only fight that I've seen him, like really well world heavyweight championship that fight that I saw was the Fury fight and I thought he lost that what you're doing is disparaging Joseph Parker which is right which because I, I feel like you certainly can't use that as a as a metric to gauge how good you are no if you're if you're Joshua and to combine that with a point Terry's made Klitschko has passed it I don't necessarily agree with that but the arguments can be made that the, the he's alright he's, he's had 21 fights he fought a knackered Klitschko. Even if he said he's Joseph not passed Parker, it. Who was like a plastic heavyweight. Uh, who, was, who is as, you know, on paper, just narrowly better than Charles Martin. <laughs> I realise he got feather in the fight, Joe Parker. But, you know, what has what has AJ done? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, we get accused of being AJ hater. I'm not an AJ hater because Wilder hasn't beaten anyone apart from Luis Ortiz. In like, what, 38 fights or whatever. His CV's dog shit as well, aside from Luis there, Ortiz. There's another, there's another fight they bring up. Oh, I can't remember his name is now. Spilska. Maybe. Audley uh, Harrison. Game of B, I think. <laughs> Audley Harrison. <laughs> Bermain Stiverne. That's it, yeah, yeah. Bermain Stiverne was pretty rubbish, those fights, right? We, but he boxed well in the first fight and then obliterated him in the second fight. That's the difference, but... You could, you could. It's the kind of level. The way of we're about to pull apart Joshua's that opponent. That name begins with B. <laughs> That's the expertise people are trying to listen for. Sorry, guys. Um, but you know, the same way that you could pull apart Joshua's opponents, of course, you can pull apart the opponents of Deontay Wilder. So look, it's not that I hate Joshua. I don't care. I just want to see them fight. But for all these, like the the counter argument you always get from Matchroom FC people is he's beaten Dillian White. Okay, beat Dillian White. When Dillian White hadn't even won a British title. I think that's for the British title. He beat Vladimir Klitschko. Okay, he beat a 40-plus-year-old Vladimir Klitschko. Coming off a 12-month rest, 12-month inactivity, who was coming off a loss. He beat Joseph Parker. Joseph Parker, who's beaten Takam, beaten Andy Rees Jr., beat Huey Fury, who's the current British champion. He won the world title against a man... In Charles Martin, who then just went and got high for like a year <laughs> off of that fucking paycheck. No, he did. Like, he just went off and got off his nut for like 12 months or whatever, releasing all these videos where he's spangled. Um, That's a good so, word. But neither of them. I mean, Luis Ortiz, anyone that I'm, I'm making these points about Joshua's opponents, Luis Ortiz, he's an old man who was off the PEDs. So, yeah, of course, he's not like an all time great either. But Joshua won't fight him. Jarrell Miller won't fight him. Dillian White won't fight him. All three of them are matchroom fighters. So there's something about Luis Ortiz that they don't fancy. And whether that's, you know, they think he's on PEDs, I don't think so because they're happy to use other PED opponents, Alexander Povetkin. Whether that's, they don't think he's reliable enough. There's no reason not to think he's reliable enough. He doesn't pull out of fights. So whether they just don't want to fight Luis Ortiz. They had him in matchroom for a period of six months when they signed him and they made him fight Dave Allen. And then they made him fight Malik Scott. Two completely irrelevant fights, not eliminators for anything. They could have switched him in to fight Joshua at that point, but they didn't. They just held him off and then released him. So there's something about Luis Ortiz I suspect matchroom don't want any part of. Um, 
But yeah, they, Wilder, Joshua, just fight each other because that's the only way one of you gets a relevant name on your CV. Yeah, I, I certainly at this point, I definitely agree with you. And, and I can't understand if it's just about sitting there. with like, the, the curious thing with AJ is the fact that if it was a case of him sit like in the privacy of his, uh, you know, in, the, in his own privacy, you might say, look, I really don't care about my fight record. I like having these titles. I like making the money. That's all I care about. If that's the case, then fine. Avoid whoever you need to avoid. Do whatever you need to do to make as much money as possible and play the game. Fine. But then also, but for me, that doesn't sit in line with this bizarre way that he wants to, and this is my perception of it, but like emulate figures in boxing history, such as, Muhammad Ali and the way that he makes those bizarre speeches that he puts on Instagram and Twitter and you think to yourself it seems to me that you want to be seen as bigger than just a boxing champion fine it was so your career needs to then reflect that with with the appropriate names unless you want to basically get to the end of your career and then start telling us how great those brave people were which we all know wasn't the case. Because it will be exposed in hindsight eventually. He's got that mouthpiece hand to do his work for him. Because you notice Joshua doesn't say anything officially. You know, he hasn't come out of any statements. He hasn't (laughs) tweeted. Occasionally he does. And they soon get deleted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, he's not come out and said anything probably since that pay me 50 million. And then they wanted to pay him 50 million. And ever since then, he's kind of gone really quiet on the whole thing and Hearns handled it. Because I think they realised that, actually, I'd never think Anthony Joshua's a coward. I don't think Anthony Joshua's scared of Deontay Wilder. I don't think Deontay Wilder's scared of Anthony Joshua. I just think maybe Anthony Joshua isn't the most commercially sound individual for doing it all. And so they just tell him to shut up and then Hearns spins these narratives that you get these people that are just matchroom fans that fucking do my head in. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, uh, Sam Rushton asks, biggest question in boxing right now, where are Hearn and Bellew getting them horrendous shirts with stars around the neck? Have you seen them? Yeah, I have seen them. They're awful. part of that video that you meshed together where Hearn said, it's not about this, it's about the money. And then the next one was like, it's not about the money, it's about the... what he said was uh, the first one was from his one hour 20 minute IFL interview when I was watching it I was like right that's, I know he's contradicting himself there so he said oh um, it isn't about uh, this that and the, it's not about proof of proof of funds and I've never asked for proof of funds anyway and then it I cut it to another IFL interview where he'd done, where he's talking about, you know, well, if Wilder's team is serious, then they've got to come together and they've got to give us the information, give us the proof of funds. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those shirts, because Bellew had one. I think he was at the UFC with it. They look like... um, They look like a set of pyjamas to me. No, I always... child's pyjamas. What's that uh, Gavin and Stacey episode where they went line dancing? Like Uncle Bryn went line dance. They just look like they're about to turn up to a line dance and like really poorly dressed, like fake sheriff or whatever. <laughs> um, but those, someone else tweeted a picture. Those are like three hundred and fifty quid shirts or whatever. Like really, I would expect three hundred and forty-five quid change out of that. Yeah, they're awful. There's no accounting for taste. 
Senor Tasty asks, if Eddie and AJ are so popular, why do they need an army of propaganda bots such as Mike52229812 to back them up? And he's just screenshotted Mike, who has 30, who's following 33 people, has zero followers. And I don't see any other context. Do you know any yeah, context? Yeah, so um, anytime Hearn or Matchroom put a tweet out, the first ones on there always commenting is like Mike34527357. Uh, and always be like oh Eddie you're just so great these fights are so great like you make the greatest shows you're taking over world boxing America's dead because of you Eddie all this stuff all the time same with Joshua um, and I got one during the week who just accused me of being a Hearn hater after I put that video up I'm like, I don't hate Hearn I just he bullshits everyone bullshits and like he said oh yeah but it's funny how you don't call out like Frank Warren about it <laughs> You fucking dickhead. I got <laughs> sued by Frank Warren for calling him out. Like, oh. And at this point, you just start thinking, there are stories within boxing. There are many stories within boxing that, um, rumour has it, rumor match room, has it. Eddie Hearn directly, I don't know, um, give out free tickets. Like, they they feed free tickets through to people and it might be people that um have their own twitter accounts that are quite big fans of matchroom and so look you can have andy you can have these five tickets to the next matchroom event as long as you set up 20 twitter accounts as mike 2378574 dave 35674 and then you just propaganda everything that we do and you propaganda it, and you propaganda it, and you propaganda it, then you'll get these five tickets to our next event. I think it'll be a lot easier just to pay some Russian guys to do that for you. Yeah, as may well be the case. As we've seen happen with the Americans and all that. Yeah. Oh, that, that. So why do they need them? Uh, you know, Maybe they're not that popular, as Mick alludes to. Yeah, I, I in in this in this era of social media news, it seems to be... The, you just gotta. Oh, I can't even bother to get into it. It's you just just don't be an idiot and believe everything you read online. Exactly. <laughs> like, like the, the fact exactly. is, you if you come, if the information you see comes from a source that you is some way you can trust, be that in some way that you can certify if your own mind has come from an actual person, then fine. But as soon as it comes from somewhere just anonymous, then and even And even in the first scenario, double check where it's coming from. So it's not yeah. like an Eddie Herm account. Yeah. <laughs> that I kind always of thing. Look at that. That, that account has been shut down now. Uh, because various, I haven't seen it for a while. There's various like, iterations of it that they come back and they disappear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Danny Watley asks, do you expect... Uh, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn to work together at all. It's it's okay Fury, Bellew and AJ being discussed, but people forget that the biggest hurdle is the two promoters. Would they put things aside to make AJ Bell AJ slash Bellew versus Fury? AJ or Bellew versus Fury? Um, yeah, yeah. I was just I, I could see I could see potentially both of those fights just because of the amount of money involved. Couldn't you? My guess rightly or wrongly, would be that Fury signing with Warren, there's probably clauses in there that say these four fights, if they come along, then we take them. 
and you have to allow me to either fight on Sky or you have to pay enough. Do you know what I mean? Like Fury signing with Warren is a strange move domestically. So either, this is my guess, either he's on a four-fight deal and those four fights will all be knockovers, they'll all be sefer-seferis, um, mm. by which point he's then warmed himself back into the sport. Warren's got the boost of having Fury on board for a while and then Fury can renegotiate somewhere else, match room or stay with Warren or find another solution. Or he signed a longer-term deal with Warren but with uh, breaks in it allowing him to fight Tony Bellew, Anthony Joshua, etc. Um, I think the Anthony Joshua one is so far down the line that it's almost irrelevant. Tony Bellew you could use as a warm-up fight. Anthony Joshua yeah. isn't a warm-up to anything. It's yeah. uh, you know, it's an end goal. And I think at that point, common sense would prevail and they'd somehow find a way to make the money work. See, uh, that kind of the Fury-AJ thing... You can see Fury AJ ha- happening. Yes. You think to yourself, I, I, can, I can genuinely see that happening because at the very least, at some point, Fury could get mandated by one of the governing bodies. So unless Fury, unless AJ finds a way to fight him, he's going to lose a belt. But wild AJ may never happen unless someone's got a begging bowl. I guess. I yeah. Do. I mean, I like the positivity right now. Should it ever get to that position where it's nearly happening, they have to start talking. We'll probably all lose that positivity. And as it happens, a silver lining to this because I, I I get really frustrated with the whole AJ Wilder thing. But as a silver lining to it, my personal opinion is if we see the real the, the Tyson Fury, which I know everyone doesn't agree with this, but for argument's sake, the 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 Fury that was as good as we think he was against Klitschko, right? peak fury that he could be then fury could easily fight aj beat aj and i think if he does he would fight wilder i feel like that i feel fury versus wilder much more likely than aj wilder unless fury signed with match room oh. and then it probably wouldn't <laughs> yeah but wouldn't he then have a clause so that he would allow like it's like you saying uh no i'd be surprised at that point because no nah. you'd think joshua would have one on that basis Joshua clearly hasn't got one that says he can sign and fight for 50 million. Yeah. Or else he'd be over there now preparing. Uh, okay, Max Stoke says, this is referring to you. So Martin, Terry and Andy win a podcast award and the prize trip is to Tenerife. Whilst over there, you bump into Michelle Joy Phelps. Kelbrook, a drunken Doc Cotton in a blue tabard and Orlando Cruz. After a few drinks, how do you think that night would pan out? <laughs> Orlando Terry's Cruz. definitely going home with Doc Cotton. Orlando Cruz was the first openly uh, homosexual boxer. Um, or certainly there's, there's boxed at a high level. I think he's the first anyway. Might be someone else. Um, he's the kind of current one, if you like. How's it... <laughs> I'm not answering that. Yeah, without, I mean, I, I think I feel like I'm getting baited into making some sort of homophobic statement of some kind, which I'm not, so I won't. And uh, uh, no, we all go home at eight o'clock because we're knackered. And, uh, that's old it. men. Yeah, yeah. We've not really. Well, actually, me and you might, but I can see Dot Cotton pulls out some. Oh, what's that rummy drinks? Oh, I've no idea. I, Italian, Italian no brandy idea. or something. Yeah. No, it's brandy, isn't it? 
pulls out some brandy and uh yeah takes 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 Terry back <laughs> Richie asks I mentioned the other day the idea of a small hall type world boxing series super series do you think it's possible not a prize fighter but uh but over the course of a few months I believe Goodwin done something similar once question mark it's Richie Gray isn't it Oh yeah, it is. Shout it out is. Richie Gray coming to the live show. Um, good man, Richie. So what he's referring to was the Fight Cup, which Steve Goodwin ran. So, um, concept was you took four lads, and he did it at cruiserweight. Um, the first one, I think he did the second one at cruiserweight as well. You take four lads. So he was blessed that he had a lot of cruiserweights in his stable at that time, all around the same area. Uh, in terms of their career and then you pair them off so a fights b c fights d uh and then the winners fight each other in a final and that final wins a fight cup is what it was called and a sum of money it was about i don't know a grand two grand something like that nice big cup and also that acted as a southern area title eliminator so you i think he'd cleared it with the board i believe because they're quite keen to get like anything that's quite forward thinking like that, the board normally get on board with. Um, to promote the belt, to promote... Yeah, boxing, exactly. Yeah, give everything. people opportunities, keep the belts in motion, um, all that kind of stuff. So as long as the names and the, the CVs stacked up, they were happy to do it. And it, it made quite interesting viewing. He's going to run another one now for light heavyweights, I believe. Uh, he gave me the names the other day, but I can't remember who it was. But I think Dwayne Sinclair will win it, but I can't remember who the other three were. Um, but again, we you know we won't go over old ground. What we discussed with um, small hall promoters working together, you need a big enough stable with enough talent at one weight division to do it in house. Because trying to do it with other promoters again is just is fraught with difficulty. That was a short pause that I'm going to leave in because I'm not going to do any edit points. Why go out raw, as, hard and raw? As we take a deep breath, dry and move forward. Damien Taylor asks, "Why doesn't Billy Joe Saunders put himself forward for a fight in the US against the likes of Jacobs or Charlo, or will he forever be in the holding pattern?" Quotes waiting and quotes for Triple G or Canelo. I really hope that doesn't happen because that's exactly what Khan did. Uh, yeah, was- do you know when I read the question, Amir Khan's name sprung out yeah. at me. Just sort of like and ruined his career. Yeah, uh, a relatively. I mean, I would argue his prime Billy years. Joe Saunders probably has m- more uh, ability, but I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure others would disagree with me. But the fact remains that yeah, they could both ruin their careers waiting for those fights. Which face it, realistically, if he beat Triple G now, there'd be plenty of people I think would argue, yeah, but Triple G's past it. Agree. So, like, the only thing he's got to fight is against Canelo. And if he or fights Charlo. Can- and if he fights Canelo and loses, then you could, there'd be people queuing up to argue, oh, Canelo's a drug cheat. So, what does he... I mean, if he beats Canelo, yeah, all right. But that's if, if he gets a fight in the first place. So, there's, there's not many areas where he could come out with 100% legit credit moving forward. No, he needs... Those two are tied up. He needs Charlo. Like, that's the only other person in that division who is threatening enough to be interesting for a world champion. I sometimes forget Billy Joe Saunders a world champion. Honestly, yeah. like, when he's lined up to fight Martin Murray, and people gave him so much credit for beating David Lemieux. Who's David Lemieux ever beaten? 
<laughs> he got his fucking head bashed in by Golovkin. Why are we giving such credit to Billy Joe Saunders for beating him? I genuinely do forget Billy Joe Saunders is a world champion because he's irrelevant. He's genuinely an irrelevant. Well, sometimes you could actually hold that statement about half a through. Sometimes I forget Billy Joe Saunders <laughs> because he's not active. He's no. never. He's no, well. It seems to fight on the same almost the same sort of basis as AJ, or even less than that. Nine months at a time. Yeah. I mean, just in front of seventy nine thousand less people. <laughs> it's just. Uh, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. Yeah, but like, even when he, you know, you finally get a fighter scheduled, it's Martin Murray. Yeah. Like, what? And then, we don't want to see that fight. Where have you dragged that crap up from? Yeah, and then the fight doesn't happen. You're like, great, so what are we going to see now? Nothing. Oh. No, what happens is they go, oh, we don't want to see that fight. Okay, oh, he's injured. That fight's not going to happen. We've rescheduled that fight, though. <laughs> Why? Why? Oh, he's injured again. <laughs> I I don't I don't care about Billy Joe Saunders. Um Mr and and whilst I imagine you like watching him, but you've refused to care about someone where you don't they're not active and they're not in the sport what's you know, the for practically all definitions other than legal ones, he's not a boxer because he doesn't fucking box. Yeah, he's basically on the bench, isn't he? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um Mr Charlton, can you set the record straight and tell those Channel-like sporting icon... You know what? I'm just going to pause this and read this again. <laughs> Having discussed this with Martin, I now understand that Sporting Icon and Hatman are YouTube channels. So, adding in your punctuation for you, Mr. Charlton, and adding on... <laughs> and, making, and making the words spelt correctly. <laughs> capital letter. Can you set the record straight and tell those channels with an S... Like Sporting Icon and the Hat Man, comma, who spills out Eddie BS, Ed, Eddie with a capital letter because it's a name. <laughs> I'd probably put BS in capitals because it's an abbreviation. That we the fans want to see the best fight the best. Capital letter is full stop. You said weeks ago this fight wouldn't happen. Now we have kind of answered that. And yeah. Do you want to answer it again? Wait a minute. It's. Praising us for saying it won't happen, and you've just ripped his entire statement slash question apart. Um, now, as I said, look, we'll call out Eddie, we'll call out everyone, but yeah, uh, I can't be bothered with it now. <laughs> we've discussed it enough already. I know, I know. From, like, we've not discussed fights that are happening in as much depth as we discuss fights that aren't happening. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. crazy. Thomas Lyons asks, best prospect in British boxing who would sell out shows in the US marketable both here and the States? Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like, it's a difficult one. Um, You've got to think of... Define prospect is the first issue. Somebody under 10 fights, somebody who hasn't fought for X titles. I, I don't know enough about the US market, but I can imagine that there's very little awareness of British boxers in US anyway. So you're probably looking at fighters that... you pro, pro, Prospects that have any sort of um, profile in America, I imagine it's non-existent, save for maybe one or two. I, I, don't, I don't know who they'd be. So you're probably best off asking the question that any British boxer... <laughs> that could, a marketable. And do you know what the one I always think could be very marketable in America is Dillian White. I For think he's he's a bit of a, a gobshite. Um, he's quite laid back. Quite, 
there's something about Dillian White. He's got a bit of like charisma about him, and he's not just churning out the same things that you hear off everybody. Um, I, I just think he comes across. He's a bit of a likable guy, but he's also a bit of a rogue element to him. Um, in terms of prospect wise, probably struggling to call himself a prospect at this point. No, no, but, but I, I realise you weren't making that point, but. He still hasn't won a world title. He hasn't really fulfilled his potential. So, I mean, at a stretch, you could argue he's a prospect. <laughs> Josh Taylor, is he a prospect? But Josh Taylor's fairly bland. What you're talking about, marketability, is you need somebody who's got the crossover of personality and skill. Josh Taylor has 100% one of them, 90% if you're Terry, you know, he's got his doubts about him, that's cool. But he's bland. Like, he's not very interesting to listen to. Whereas Dillian White, you're always, like, teetering on the edge of saying something nuts. Uh, see, I really used to dislike Dillian White, um, but in recent times, I think... And I like I like, I, I like AJ, I like watching him fight, but the more this wilder uh, AJ thing has dragged on, actually, I'd almost like to see a white AJ fight because I'd like White to win. That's kind of how I feel. I'm not yeah. sure he would, but <laughs> I just want someone to beat AJ or Wilder, something. I, I'm bought. I'm already. I want someone to ruin their yeah, plans. This, whatever's gone on between them has bored me to the point where I'm not interested in supporting either of them anymore. Just yeah. one of you lose. I'm no, like, I agree. Uh, Cal asks, "Why are promoters having a hard time putting shows on in Dublin? What are the main issues?" Cool. I'm assuming this refers to uh, a series of small hall shows that have been cancelled in Ireland, haven't they? How, how do you know about this? <laughs> Who have you been talking to? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Wait, you don't even know what's going on in England. How do you know what's going on in Ireland? <laughs> I'm just on Twitter at the right time, that's all. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> Tell me about them. Who, no, no, who no. no, I'm happy pretending to know more than I do. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming that this is because proportionally there's quite, there's a large population in the UK, which means that when your small hall promoters can feed off of proportionally a larger this representation. This is going to be so wrong, it's small, brilliant. Okay, so small hall. Keep going. Small hall fans, that's what, that's what I'm going for. And so proportionally in the in in Ireland, in fact, that, that doesn't make sense. If there wasn't enough small hall fans for a small hall show in Ireland, then there wouldn't be a small hall scene. So I have no idea. <laughs> so Cal... I'll tell you what, I'll ask Martin, <laughs> same as I've done with every other question. <laughs> All right, so Jay Byrne was putting on a show at the um, National Stadium, I think. Not as in outdoors, but indoors in like a conference room. Um, and he's cancelled it this week. So that's what you're referring to about a small hall show uh-huh. being cancelled. He came out on a bit of a rant about it. He's done interviews about it since. So Jay Byrne was going to be fighting on it and promoting on the same show called The Beginning. Um, Sideline Films. So Ali McKenzie, who we met up in Manchester. Uh Top lad, like lovely bloke. Sideline Films do some fantastic footage, doing fantastic things. If you're over in Ireland, check them out. If you're in the UK, whatever, just check them out. They're doing great things. Um. But lastminute.com, this uh, the beginning show has been cancelled. And Jay Burns come out saying that I'd agreed all these costs with the Irish board, Boxing Union Island, Island, I think it's called, BUI. I'd agreed all these costs. I've got all the emails of these costs. And then this week, they've asked for like another two grand as a bond or something. And mm. suddenly I needed to pay this 
sort of cost for something. I can't remember all the details about Perhaps it. But some sort of mob shakedown. Yeah. You're in the pro- you're in the process of making this show. <laughs> Let's face it, you're not going to cancel. So give us this. This. Yeah. This. So like the the cost that he had agreed, and he was saying, you know, it's always going to cost me money to put this on. But I'm giving local lads an opportunity that isn't there. I'll come on to the reason why there aren't other opportunities in a sec. Um, but yeah, the cost suddenly got inflated, he says. Now, he was quite honest about it. He said the BUI may come out and say there were other reasons for it. Or that I'm wrong and they're right. And if that's the case, he, he was encouraging them to come out and correct him. So he seemed like a decent bloke, Jay Burns. So I feel for him that he's put all this effort into a show that is now cancelled. Um, so he was trying to change things slightly. So you're not allowed alcoholic drinks down at ringside. And he was trying to change that and say, yeah, you know, like, let's make a night of it. Let's get alcoholic drinks at ringside. They do it elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's all kind of gone tits up. So I feel for him with that. So in terms of Dublin shows, look, <laughs> MTK aren't allowed to promote shows in Dublin. That's your biggest problem. That's where boxing is failing and falling down in Dublin is that look what MTK sorry Frank Warren is doing up in Belfast with Carl Frampton fights with uh, Condon last night and his homecoming now they're not allowed to go into Dublin to promote shows so you've got um, various fighters that like Paddy Barnes Conlon Frampton I get that they're all from um, they're not necessarily from Dublin but they're not even allowed to go there you know, like Island United behind, say, Barry McGuigan. North and South came together for him. They're not getting the opportunity to take Carl Frampton, to take Paddy Barnes, to take Michael Conlon into the South because MTK aren't allowed to promote shows there. Um, which I've, I found a statement somewhere. I found it earlier. Um, so it was uh, Mel Christie, who's at the time, I don't know if he still is, the president of the Boxing Union of Ireland. Um, and this was I might be right I might be wrong uh, after the shooting at the weigh-in for a show in Dublin um, that was an MTK show I'm sure it was that there was a shooting at the weigh-in um, and then the show got cancelled everything got cancelled Mel Christie said the reality is that the presence of an MTK fighter on a bill at present in the view of the boxing union would put at risk the safety of patrons and other persons involved in the boxing event. It's as simple as that. Um, and that ban hasn't been lifted. It's it's an indefinite one, essentially. I think once they're comfortable. But then you get that shooting at uh, Peter Taylor, Katie Taylor's dad, his gym in Brayhead. I might have made that up. Um... You know, these things just... Every time Irish boxing might be picking itself up, something happens that drags it back down a bit again. So I don't know what the solution is to it. I know what the problems are, but I don't know how you get over them. It's Being a boxing fan, I mean, right, it's probably no stranger to long time... It's no um, mystery to um, long-time listeners to this pod. Ostensibly, I wasn't much of a boxing fan. Still not. <laughs> you just said that I'd shedded my casualness earlier in the podcast. Yeah, and then you went, who's that bloke whose name starts with B? <laughs> it's because I am Captain Casual. Um, sometimes I, I, I sort of sway around that line. Sometimes I'm extra, extra painfully casual. And sometimes I, I flirt with certain things like 
For example, this is a string of Irish shows that have been cancelled. How do you know that? Then I waffle about a load of stuff that's completely inaccurate. <laughs> so I strafe that. Which is aura. You shit in that European title fight, yet <laughs> oh. you took Dillian White life yeah, and death. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wow, we could do something here. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a complete failure. Um, I've actually forgotten what I was saying now. Oh, yeah. I wasn't much of a uh, boxing fan uh, probably a year prior to this to this podcast in its inception kind of thing. Um you were you've always been quite a strong uh, hardcore boxing fan and certainly more so as you sort of got older and i kind of got into it about a year before we started the podcast off but um what i've learned from being a boxing fan to whatever extent you credit me with being a boxing fan is that it's kind of a love-hate relationship and you've constantly got to put up with the frustrations of the politics involved and sorry to take it back to football for everyone, but for a long time, if you're a football fan, you love football, but you hated FIFA and the way they were run and the corruption that was kind of just being f- like blatantly flown in front of your face. I don't know how much of that still exists, but they made some sort of crackdown. With boxing, you just, you've always got this horrible th- backdrop of, of just... Uh, no, and when you do get those fights you really want to see... They're great. And you you know, it's like a treat. But for the most part, you're going to hate boxing 90% of the time with frustrations and people screwing each other over and you're like, Ugh. and then 10% of the time, sorry, 90% of the time, 5% of the time, because we like to just miss percentages <laughs> at random. <laughs> um, 5% of the time, you get, you know, you, you get the fights you actually want to see. Like Canelo Glovkin coming up. Brilliant. That was, yeah, that was, that was brilliant. Then it ends in a draw and then somebody fails a drug test and you go, for oh, fuck's sake. It really is a 70-20 split. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, last question. Bob Robert. Povetkin um, is being drug tested for the AJ fight. Is he? This is, this is news to me. This, uh, is what, this is what he says. I assume he is. When does AJ start getting tested or... Had he signed up to a three six five testing already? Okay, so you you start getting tested as soon as your the fight's announced and signed off. That's when the drug testing starts, unless you're signed up for three six five. So that's the WBC um, clean testing program, of which Anthony Joshua is not a part of, which also casts doubts and aspersions upon whether he could even fight Deontay Wilder. Because you're meant to be a member of, like, you can't go, I'm going to fight you, Deontay Wilder, in three months. Now sign me up to the clean boxing program. You're meant to have been on it for a period of time before you then engage in a fight. Whether they would start to stumble around the rules a little bit to benefit Anthony Joshua, I don't know. Um, But yeah, in, in essence, you can't fight for a WBC title unless you've signed up to the clean boxing program. Joshua isn't a member of it. Um, isn't signed up to it. Why? No idea. It's free. It's free to a boxer. There is no cost incurred whatsoever. Not that you're strapped for cash anyway. No, but I mean, the argument could be, you know, why would I need to incur that cost when I get tested out of, you know, these people anyway? There is no cost. You just sign up for it and then you're engaged and you're enrolled in it. Every boxer, I'm not just calling out Joshua for this, every boxer at world level Everyone in the top 15 of every organisation ought to be signed up for it. I don't understand why they're not. Uh, he also then goes on to ask, also, if the Russia team pissed in a cup, would it melt? 
<laughs> oh yeah, that that cup will just fizzle. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent. In fact, today, in my humble opinion, uh, allegedly, I don't even know what we're supposed to say anymore. For me, today there was a there was the game between Russia and Spain. There's question marks. There's definitely question marks over the history of the whole Spanish Football Federation and their players. For me, like that would be I, all I say is question marks across the whole of it. Today, Russia, uh, Spain got their just desserts coming up against a team of superhumans that were like ranked a zillionth in the world before the tournament. And somehow they've made the quarter. They were the lowest ranked team in the tournament, weren't they? they? Like below Panama. Because they won't stop running. And why would you suddenly have this burst of endurance before I just... Like Iceland, what well, they did us. Incredible, uh, incredible yeah. stamina. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it, for me, it's endemic within football, but there you go. And uh, I'm sure that if Russia team pissed in a cup, same as their Olympic team, and that's not even debatable, got done. I think you could piss in that cup and then turn it into like an Olympic torch. <laughs> it would just be that bright. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I've waffled a load of We've nailed every question. How long have we done? It's an hour and 55. Fucking hell, our voices for an hour and 55. Yeah. Sorry. I doubt there's anyone listening at this point. Ooh. So, uh, are you done? Any more, any story? I think I should uh, the weekend. Nah, Kel Brook's probably not going to fight, I heard, against Brandon Cook. Um, if you listen, that's a little treat for you, a little tidbit. Expect him to pull out. Or another fight to be arranged, I believe, is the terminology. Um, nah, nothing else. Nothing else at all. Okay, well, next week we should be back with Mr. Chapandama. Fingers crossed. And until then, get in touch on Twitter if you've got any questions. Correct me. Uh, if you really want to correct Martin, tweet him. If you want to correct me on anything, feel free, but I mean... I He needs an education, so go ahead. <laughs> I think you'd be more like lecturing me, to be fair. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Do whatever you want. Um, that's it, really. I think that's it. Sweet. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.